Okay, I'm with Daniel for the weekend pod. United won, Fulham two. What a nightmare, Daniel. The hope was always with reservations, I think, that, yeah, yes, it's better and that is good and we should be able to be a good team. But should it take every last player of your first 11 available for it to look even a bit like a football team and for it still to have massive problems even then? And the answer feels like, fuck no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's two things. It's the massive drop-off in quality with injured players, but also the same old tactical problems, I think. And I don't know, I, I can't think of another manager of a leading club who changed their style so much based on the players available available to them. Klopp doesn't do it. Guardiola doesn't do it. Posicoglu, maybe Tuchel at Bayern, but he's getting fired, so he's not a great example either, is he? Ten Hag's the standout in this respect. He is, but there's a but. I'm happy to allow him the but. How can you play the football he wants to play when your back four is Maguire, Lindelof, Dallow and Varane? Yeah, totally. So I'm happy happy to allow him that, except he didn't have to pick that back four. He chose to. And obviously he wasn't going to be good, whoever it was. But by putting Lindelof at left back... You're pretty much saying we're going to forget mainly about the left-hand side. We're not going to try and build attacks down that side. And I know that he didn't have many good choices. He could have gone. He could have gone Kambuala right back and then played Dallow at left back. I think what I probably would have done, he could have gone Amrabat left back, Dallow right back, and kept the the other way around. I mean, yeah, I I would probably have gone Amrabat right back to try and keep some width and then go Dallow left back, probably probably that. But I definitely would not have gone Lindelof at left back because we saw what we've seen what's happened what a disaster. when that yeah, happens. Yeah. And and then if then what when, when I saw the team, I thought, well, obviously it'll be Forson down the middle. Because obviously he's not I mean, I haven't seen anything from Forson that makes me think he's a United player. I think he looks lovely on the ball, but he looks like a football player. But I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's United quality. So he plays, and I'm assuming, well, he'll be down the middle because why would you not play him? Why would you change the rest? It's working. And then when it's, he swapped Rashford into the middle, he's put a child on the right wing with no form whatsoever, or no, 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 no record of doing anything, and Garnacho back to the left. And then you're thinking, well, well, why? If you're going to play one winger, who is an actual proper winger, Garnacho, because you're going to play Rashford in the middle. Why don't you leave <laughs> him where he is with the fullback with whom he's built a relationship? Because if you stick him over to the left with Lindelof, you're denying him the ball. Because who's going to, yes. who's going to help get it to him? And if you're already making changes, force changes, why are you imposing more changes? And I saw the team and I thought, Have you, do you understand why we've been good recently? And obviously, mm. good is quite strong, but you know what I mean. Better. One of the reasons is balance. It's that Sean gives you balance well, on the left, sure. and Garnacho gives it you on the right. And then you lose the balance with Shaw, so you play Lindelof, and then then you take the balance away on the other side as well by yeah, playing a yeah. left footer there. All of that is absolutely true, and he unbalanced the entire team by making those changes, and it did seem really weird. But for me, there's just something a bit more fundamental at play as well. And he's never worked this one out all season. And perhaps we thought it would be fixed with the return of Casemiro, but it hasn't been. And that's the giant donut in midfield where they have a high press. 
and not a well-coordinated one by the standards of modern football either. And then the low defensive block, because you have to play a low defensive block with Varane and Maguire in the team. And then there's just acres of space between that low block and the forwards, which is why United give away so many shots. And we talked about it on the last pod, I think. 16, 20, 23, 23, 21. And today, I think it was 16 shots given away. To teams that aren't any good. I was looking at the data on this one and United uh, in the top five leagues are one of the worst and not just in the Premier League amongst the hundred or so in the top five leagues for deep ball progressions against and shots in own box. That is teams are able to get through us into deep areas and take shots in good positions and score over and over again. And it's a season long problem and you can't play like that and not lose games yeah I, I i agree i've been i mean i would say first of all with regards to fulham let's not forget they were without Polina, willian and raul Jimenez, like three yeah. three starters and i mean Polina, their best player by miles wasn't there yeah and what we're seeing is we're seeing fulham stride through our midfield what one or two passes and yeah we saw it as you said in that first game against wolves and Part of the problem is the problem that you, you touched on just before, where you're talking about a low block. So we're pressing high, but we're blocking low. That's a yeah. lot of space vertically. So much. For your team that doesn't have elite athletes to cover. In midfield. And I think yeah, that yeah. might be one reason. I remember me and, me and the mate I was with at Luton were saying, like, Luton looked much fresher at the end. And I think part of it is because the amount of running our players are having to do, because they're having to play a short passing style, which requires a lot of running. But then they're also empty, midfield's empty, so they're running through midfield, back through midfield again, and the pitch that they're tasked to cover is significantly larger than that that a lot of the opposition are. And I feel like that maybe is one of the reasons they always look leggy. I mean, they started legally, they haven't played in a week. And I think we said last time, the start's actually been quite good recently, but it felt like the start yesterday, first 25 minutes were dreadful. And the kind of thing we've seen a lot of this season. And then it actually, I thought it improved a little bit just before half-time. But, I mean, and I think one thing that is worth mentioning in the first half is Maguire, who, by the way, I would not be picking. I'd be picking Evans at the moment. He manages to get himself booked. And the reason he manages to get himself booked is through his classic overcompensation after lumbering. He lumbers into a challenge. He knows, really, that he's not getting the ball, but he's sort of put in some of the effort i guess yeah so you kind of feel like things well i might as well try and get the ball then he stamps on someone's ankle yeah it's it's an orange card i think like it's it not, really I don't is think it's a red i saw sky compare it to the gilmore one which was much higher it wasn't yeah it was it was you shouldn't be sent off for, i don't think for mistiming a tackle like that yeah but yeah it was it wasn't a good it wasn't a good tackle and what happens is he gets he gets his obligatory card and who knows if that's what comes back to bite us in the arse at the end. Yeah, totally. You would have taken one for the team otherwise. Or self-importance. I find it legitimately funny just how much he got roasted there. Harry looks like he's moving in slow motion as Adama just blasts past him. Kick him up in the air! He's Adama Traore. You're not going to catch him. He might waste it. And and then part of me is thinking, hang on, is he in his mind as this happens, having this conversation? Right, but if I kick him, then I'm not going to play in the midweek, midweek. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Harry. Of course he was having that mental conversation. Because if he's booked, he boots him, right? If he's booked, he boots him. And he's trying to weigh up in a split second. Do I think he's going to score versus I'm going to miss the next game? And, I mean, maybe that's a 
t- decision motivated by misplaced loyalty to the team, or maybe his decision misplaced by uh, motivated by misplaced loyalty to himself. I mean, who knows what goes through his cavernous Swede during that very small period of time? But kick him! <laughs> I just yeah, I couldn't believe what I was seeing that you allow that at at that point. Yeah, and Nairobi said afterwards that he did Anana with the eyes. Like Pedro Neto did. Yeah, exactly. It's been really well documented now. He takes a step towards the side he thinks the shot's going to go to, and he goes too early and can't rebalance him, himself. And it's been really well alanized. Uh, alanized? Alanized Shearer, uh, that he makes that kind of error, fundamental error in his games, and I think the forwards have cottoned onto that now. Because Awobi said basically afterwards when questioned that that was the case. Didn't Paul do have a hashtag called Alansis many, many, many yes. years ago where he yes, was yeah. the nicest man in the world was so <laughs> agitated by Alan Shearer's yes. lack of effort that he constructed an entire thread of total bullshit that, that he was... The, I saw this with Joe thing- Cole actually in the week. I was watching, I was watching Inter and Joe Cole goes, well, I've not really seen much of Inter this, this season. I'm sorry. So why are you yeah. here? And I actually I think the Joe Cole's quite a good pundit, but just in brief parentheses, that was a real, why are you here then? Look, to be fair to Alan Shearer, I think he's taken some of that criticism to heart. Not, not our criticism, but the general criticism. And he's got so much better. I and mean, clearly he did a lot of work to become the pundit he is today. I agree. I agree. He's much better. Yeah, I agree. Look, as an aside, you uh, look at how much work some of the top commentators put into the research they do to get this right. Derek Ray, ESPN commentator on the Bundesliga, does incredible sheets with so much detail. Clive Tilsley sells his. Uh, I think I sent one from the 99 final to Paul for his birthday. Uh, so much research and detail. And then they commit it to memory. And I think not all of the pundits do that. Some of them fall back on the lazy stuff. You don't see as much... These days, I think, you know, the kind of AFCON, well, they're good athletes, bullshit. It's got much better because we have much greater diversity and people understand what, what what's going on. But back to Maguire, if I don't, if just quickly, I feel yeah. like, and maybe this is just me, but it feels a bit like he's forever overcompensating, trying to be the defender he wants to be, that maybe his PR said he was after that World Cup, this big, dominating, reliable over my dead body, brave defender. <laughs> and it leads often to him overcomplicating things and asking of himself things that he cannot do. And even when, I know he scored, but like even just like watching him hurling himself about in their box, trying to, trying to be that guy. And obviously it worked out on this occasion, but not before he'd missed one that he shouldn't have missed. Yeah, But it's just... In every game, there are these there are these offenses, and I mean he's not the only one. Like Dallo and was it Eriksson who just get completely done by Wobi, just one step inside, and and he's gone. And Varane completely watching the ball. It, it felt like we were sort of almost playing a bit better at that point. Like Bruno sort of started to play in injury, in injury time, and well, I mean, I mean, I guess we'll come we'll come to him. But yeah, the Anana one was very similar to the Pedro Neto one, where in general, that shot is very hard to save. I mean, we saw Ole score them for years, and I mean, and he taught it to Rooney. Don't think he could have saved either of them. But I'd like to have seen him try. 
Come yeah. on. <laughs> so Please check gone. yourself about. Do over the cameras. Yeah. I mean, United, because of that uh, Harry Maguire chance and, and the Ericsson chance as well, like out XG Fulham, but I just, I really just don't, it just doesn't really tell the truth because that's 1.5 XG of United's 1.9. Um, those two chances and like it just 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 the tactical mess the fact that we were so open the fact they were completely wasteful up front and it wasn't very cohesive and then the defensive errors and the goalkeeper who's uh, decided to no longer have an attempt at saving anything just like you can't throw all of that into the mix and and not lose games I mean it's just inevitable and what you said earlier about yeah we, we we've won some tight ones so i think there's part of it that yeah like maybe this is a regression to the mean except it felt like the games that we've won which is that we won them because we were the, the better team and some of them by far we were much better than Luton. whatever we sat back and made it difficult but the, the level that we hit for the first 20 minutes against Luton was miles in excess of anything they did and the game should have been over wolves we were miles better than wolves almost fucked it up but we were a lot better than them villa we bossed it for t- 20 and then we saw what happened afterwards but it felt like this was a very different game to the ones that we've won in terms of our le- the level that we hit in it and the, the balance of it and the thing is is where we have all this stuff about our inability to do all the things with all the players for them have these players also who are who, they are who they are like why is Andreas Pereira carrying the ball through midfield for example <laughs> why <laughs> are <laughs> Like, having Suwobi is a good ball carrier, but Andres Pereira's doing it, so why are our players not able to do it? What is it about the setup? And maybe it's just we're too stratified, where there's two, the gaps between everyone too big. I don't know. But then, also, if you're going to play long ball, then maybe... I, I, I liked the selection of foursome. I thought it showed a bit of imagination. As I said, I thought it was going to keep the good bits of the team the same. Didn't work out like that. I hated his performance, though. I'm not going to get too hot on getting after a kid who's just made his United debut, but there was a total yeah. lack of energy, zest, devil, intensity about about the way he went about his work. I've liked what I've seen of him, and I, I wouldn't profess to see every sort of under-23s and under-18s game, but... What struck me about Forson is he's the kind of tippy-tappy play wall passes and move the ball around much more like Sancho stylistically than his other wide players. So it seemed like given the way we were playing low block, quick transitions, that kind of thing in recent games, that wasn't an easy stylistic fit. But clearly he's been training with the first team for some considerable time now. So Eric must believe in him, believes in him more than Ahmad. He's got a contract situation, doesn't he, as well? He's out of contract in the summer, yeah. So maybe they're trying to get him to sign so so that he doesn't leave for free. Maybe that's part of it. But I just, if I struggle to see how that conversation would have happened, has someone actually gone to the manager and said, you have to pick this guy, not that guy? Or if it's a choice, maybe pick this one, not that one? Just seems unlikely. No, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that's not happening. But I mean, it may well be in the manager's, the back of the manager's mind that he wants to keep him. He believes in him in some way. I mean, it's not like. Ahmad has convinced him. Clearly, he hasn't. He's not getting any minutes at all. I mean, he had that. And if it, oh, what he had a game against Forest in the cup, didn't he? The league cup. He came on against no. Forest in the league, and actually, and actually in the league, okay. In the league, and he was he looked yeah. okay when he came on yesterday. I guess Forson's ahead of him, or perceived to have a greater chance of a United future. Maybe. I mean, Anthony has he just given up on him now, or is like hopefully has like Uncle Big Sir Jim come in and said, "Don't you know?" Yeah. <laughs> No. I mean, it doesn't half 
given given the this result, uh, you know, I think it's very easy to like be knee jerk about it and freak out clearly, uh, and Twitter sphere kind of lends to that. But new management team in place, new CEO, director of football's coming in once they finish the negotiations. Big Sir Jim seems very hands-on for the moment. He did all the press last week. Brailsford's at every single game right now. And and the one thing Ratcliffe did, and it's kind of it is kind of I thought it was kind of funny how well briefed he clearly is because he gave the same answers in every single <laughs> Dan Rounds, the written press, the other broadcast press. Um but anyway, one thing he was very clear about is style first, they're gonna decide that as a team, manager fits into that. So that's really a big red flag for Eric Ten Hag already. If you don't take 10 losses in the league and and all of them in the Champions League out of the equation, and clearly, clearly you're going to think about that too. So is the style that Eric Ten Hag wants to play the one that fits with what the Ineos team believe that they think should happen uh, at United, right? Because if it's not, he's gone anyway. Uh, and then you come to performance, and has he done enough to earn like more time at the club. And that's a big question as well. And all these questions are going to be asked for right now. And and yesterday was pretty dis, you know, disappointing or you're feeling pretty despondent because you're like, I mean, there's no wiggle room now for Ten Hag. Like, and let alone like for United as a club now, I'm just looking at it, eight points behind Villa in fourth place. Because fifth is definitely not guaranteed Champions League football last next season, given, given quite how poor the Premier League's results have been in the Champions League, including our, our own and Newcastle's. And then Arsenal lost the other night as well. I mean, you talk about where we're going to be next season. and That is kind of the question, isn't it, really? Because we don't know what's going to happen with Ten Hag. But what we do know is that Bayern, Liverpool and Barcelona all want managers. And not only that, they can talk to them yeah. because they know yeah. that their current guy is off. Now... It seems unlikely, if you look at who the main guys are, it seems unlikely that Xabi Alonso is going to go to not Bayern or Liverpool. So then you're left with Thiago Motta, Ruben Amorim, like who? Like, And I don't think the idea that we don't know if any of these guys will be any good as a reason to keep Ten Hag particularly, but I, I don't have many others in that. I yeah. think there are two things here. that We've got the situation of, are we saying that the only players that can perform his instructions are those 11 that are in his first team? Or are they the only ones that can understand them? Because it feels like as soon as he doesn't have that, he changes the approach completely. And you, you alluded to this before. And obviously, we're not good enough to just go and play how we want to play in every game. But it feels like against Fulham at home, we should be. And, and oh, we're, sure. we still... And it feels like we still come down again to that dichotomy between it shouldn't be this bad, but look at the fucking players. How can it not be this bad? And well, I, I I look at this squad and I I often think, you know, like, clearly we know a lot of these players and many of them are not good enough to be at United. But you look at the squad and, and it's a billion pound squad and they've got one of the highest wage bills in, in world football. And you're, you can't help but think, is this not... Surely this is good enough for to be in the top four best teams in the the country. Surely, and it's most definitely better than the team Fulham put put out yesterday. And so something is going desperately wrong there. And and like of course, if they're doing root and branch analysis of the the club, which they are clearly doing, because Sir Jim was very clear in all his interviews this week that he considers the last eleven years to be a complete failure. 
And he's looking at Liverpool and City as the benchmarks of where United need to be, which, you know, it's a bit of pills to swallow as a United fan. But there's definitely, I'm not having that. There's no purge. Liverpool are not on any fucking purge anymore. They're not on a purge. Wherever they might be, it's not on a purge. I was thinking that when he said that, I was like, hmm, hang on, one Premier League title in the nine years that Klopp's been at Liverpool or whatever it is. Yeah, not not it's not much of a patch, but yeah. It's certainly been, generally speaking, better than United, say, for a, a couple of seasons. Uh, and and anyway, look, the point being, they are they are being meticulous about the analysis of the club. He said very, very clearly that they're gonna get the structure around the manager and the results will fall out the bottom, quote unquote. And it's about getting it right top down and then going with the manager and the manager has to fit into the style they deem appropriate for a club like United, right? And all of that should be a big, big, big red flag to Ten Hag. And yes. that's aside from all the results, which are correct. <laughs> aside from all the results. Who, who is they? So I've got a question here. So Jim Ratcliffe doesn't know anything about football yeah. in, that, no. in that way. Verada, yeah. is he your guy who's picking your style? Is he a football guy? Is Dan Ashworth? Daniel Ashworth, sorry, a foot is he a football guy who's going to be right? This is who, who actually are the football brains that are taking this view? Yeah, well, um, I think I mean clearly Brailsford is looking at the analysis. I don't think he's going to be picking the the manager, and they've kind of talked about this in some of the interviews, and they talked about the mistakes they made at Nice as well, and they made a lot of mistakes at Nice, and it's better this season, although they've just lost four in the last five, so. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> so, yes, I think it's going to be Barada, who's at City for 12 years, but obviously mostly commercial and marketing and then operational roles. Ashworth, who's obviously been around football for a very long time, although if if he picks that twat Potter to be United, he's going to get eaten up within a few months, isn't he? Whoever's coming on the technical director side, it looks like it's, it's Wilcox. Who knows whether that's really true? And they'll bring some transfer people in. Now, I assume they'll form some kind of committee to make the right kind of decision. But as you were saying, like not only is it hyper-competitive amongst leading clubs, I mean, it's unusual for, well, Barcelona, Bayern and Liverpool and probably United all looking for managers. And so it doesn't half make you think, well, United probably need to act quickly here, but they can't because they haven't made the decision to fire Ten Hag yet. And if it's based on getting into the Champions League or not, I'm not, I'm not saying it is, but it might be, then they may well be waiting till the end of the season while Bayern, Barcelona and Liverpool plan. So does that mean we get the fourth best available this summer? And it has to be the fourth best that fits into the style they've deemed and we're not sure what that is yet. So Right, exactly. Like it, it has has to be there's someone. So what we're saying it's going to be someone who needs to be a good manager for this squad or the manager for the squad that you want to have. But even before we do this, we're still kind of looking at Ten Hag. And I think my problem with him is... Started off as a problem I had from the outset, the lack of charisma, that in order to play Manchester United football, I think probably requires someone who can inspire and move the players. And he may have done what he did at Ajax, but winning the league there, playing Ajax football with the best team and the most money is not the same thing. You don't need to be aggressive, I don't think, in the same way, fired up in the same way. And the kind of football that we want to see, I think, does require that. So that's a problem I have with Tenough from the beginning. But a problem I have with him from now is I feel like there's a lack of clarity in him saying we're going to play like this and playing like that. But also, what if his way of playing is crap? And 
what we've seen so far, it is at best not clear whether the way that he wants to play is going to work in Ura League. And mm -hmm. currently it works sometimes, but it doesn't work other times. And yesterday was a classic one of those games where it looked like we were just assuming or hoping that one of the quality players was going to do something. And that will work sometimes. And that's that's the manager. Kind of felt like that was his approach. But on behalf of the players, the way that they played in injury time and after they scored, you're kind of thinking, what happened to you before this? Do you guys think that you're good enough to play within yourselves and win games? No way you mm -hmm. think that, but maybe they do. And and this is so, but back to exactly like what we really need is we need someone to take us through Ten Huff's method. Like we Ten Huff to say this, this is how I want to play. Like because what if they were to go to him and say, listen, we will back you, but you. It, it, it's, it's all on you now, but you have to tell us what you want and what it is. Like, that may happen behind closed doors, but until we know, like, if you money no object or whatever, what do you want your team to look like? Yeah. And what he's done with and to this team is still not clear. And then who's going to be the person evaluating whether what he wants to do works or not? And it has to be, I feel, it feels like it has to be quite precise because what he does just completely differs from like how many like he's used all these different center back pairings and part of that's to do with injury but not all of it's to do with injury if you want to play possession football then maybe play Johnny Evans but then i i mean i think that he is a better passer than Varane then sorry he is a better passer than Varane but i mean you have to play Varane cuz he can actually defend he's a better yeah. passer than <clears throat> better passer than Maguire more composed than Maguire as well What's the evidence that he wants to play possession football? Like, I think he gave up on that idea when he bought Casemiro and not Frankie Dion. And I say he, when the club. And and they, it, um, it's clear now, in retrospect, they could never have done the deal for Frankie Dion. Dion didn't want to move, even if Barcelona were willing to sell. Uh, and he brought Casemiro in, completely different profile of player. And we've never seen it ever since. And certainly not this season. I mean, United are miles off in terms of possession dominance than, than Ajax were under Ten Hag. Just, I mean, he said it. He said it at the beginning of the season. World-class in transitions. The, the problem he's had is he wants low block, high press, and transitions, and it all doesn't fit together. Right. And so then again, like we come back to it. Like, where, where, where are you going with the team? And apparently, like when, when he got the job, he gave some whole breakdown about what he wanted. And then a couple of the bad results, did he just say, that's not workable here? It's not workable ever? It just, I mean, we sort of know what he wants, but we know, we, we, we know what he wants in an ideal sense, which he can't, but we don't know exactly, I guess, what he wants in this current English Premier League. And yeah, well, he also said... If you remember at the beginning of the season, when asked about the Ajax style, he said, no, 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 not with this squad, right? So, like, what, what he knows, what he thinks he can't do, and he, we may have a sense of what he maybe wants, but there's no, and no actual evidence for it. So we're more left with this kind of notion that perhaps once upon a time he wanted a possession-dominant side, doesn't want it now. So are we saying that our goals which is the stated goal of the new management team to get back to the top of European and English football, is to play in a reactive style. It's been but quite a long time since a reactive manager won the Premier League. If you think about those rea that reactive side, like Mourinho's Chelsea, let's say, 
They were reactive in the big games. They weren't fucking reactive against Fulham at home. No, not at all. It's got a hundred goals. That's they no, were ball dominant. Yes. They were ball dominant when they were playing the teams that they were that didn't have. They thought they could deal with. They were ball dominant in all those games. Yeah, and so and what we're seeing is we're seeing United play like the inferior team against teams to whom they're superior to use their superior counter attackers, basically. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe that's what he feels he's got to do to get into the top four and to keep his job, but. I think that if we lose another one, if we lose Derby and, the, and City and, um, and Villa and Tottenham win, then it feels like the only way he's got to keep his job is say, right, I'm only picking players that are going to be here next season now and try and generate some momentum and some positivity that way. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if it would do it. I mean, it is so tight now in terms of, uh, you know, like I, I think eight, eight points in... Is it 11 games left or 12? Uh, and within that, we've got to play Liverpool, Arsenal and City. It's not to say we'll lose all of those, but clearly, um, clearly uh, we don't exactly have the best record against the larger sides under Ten Hag, although some of those are at home, aren't they? But it's it's almost, you're almost saying they probably have to win the other eight Let's yeah, say. I mean, the home record yeah. in the big games against Ten Hag so far isn't bad, but it's probably yeah. because we haven't had we haven't played anyone good at home yet this season, and last season wasn't so, bad. Be Arsenal and Liverpool and City at home last season. Yeah, and and then you're coming back to the the point before about the coefficients, and and if we're saying it's it's probably too difficult to make eight points up on Villa, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? That we've just beaten these twats twice in the last cu- couple of months, and we're still eight points behind Villa, <laughs> Aston. <laughs> Villa. So this, yeah, it's like, or if, if, I, if I was putting money on it, which I haven't, but maybe I should, I would say it's very small odds that Ten Hag is, is at the club next season. But then uh, it comes back to, if, if, if that's going to be the calculation and there are some smart people coming into the club now and, and they're moving very aggressively in Yas, why would they delay this decision? And they probably will be using back channels to assess who's the, Who's the right manager? Who's the best available manager that fits the style that they want to play? I guess you. And we're not I sure what you, that is yet. Right. I so. guess you. You with you. You wait with Ten Hag if you get rid of him. I guess you're probably waiting to see what happens in the Champions League because you wouldn't want the other two teams to blow up and you end up not making the Champions League because you fired the manager. But no sure in Martinez until April feels like that is that is too much. And again, I can always come back to this with Ten Hag. That change takes time. If you look at Klopp, you look at Arteta, steps forward, steps backwards, less, did less well than he did in the first season, and I think the second season. Arsenal finished finish eighth and eighth? Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. you could argue that does, does Ten Hag have better players than they did? I think Maybe. he's further along than Liverpool were. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Klopp is that now in retrospect, we can kind of look back and, what, and see what he did in his first two seasons. The first two seasons weren't very good. I think he finished like seventh and eighth and seventh or, or something like that. But he and he had a style he wanted to play and he did adapt it because he was going for the German style, mid-block, transitional football, and it didn't work. Like teams were able to play, well, sit sit very deep, and there's nothing for them to react against or play around them. And and so the results weren't good. And he adapted it to some kind of hybrid between that style and, and more sort of 
you know, English style or the high press really came in, didn't it? But he was smart enough, but you could see kind of see the direction of travel. And and this is where like I come back to time and again with Ten Hag. I don't know what the direction of travel is at all. Uh, it's almost like we've given up on this season. This is a season where we're just trying to deal with the injuries, which, by the way, like we're not, uh, and I assume this is part of the analysis too, may well be on him anyway, the amount of muscles injury, muscle injuries we're getting. Now, not the impact injuries, but yeah, like it's not like the whispers haven't been there about the training load. No, 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 I agree. I mean, that feels like, I mean, I mean, it's sort of Ten Hag's fault because he carries the can, but also you're employing people that should be expert in this, and they mm-hmm. should they should know. Like Ten Hag can't can't be expected to know about that, but the people who he's pointing should be good, and they will do because it's the periodization like methodology around training. They will have red, green, amber zone on game and training load for every single player, and they'll adjust individual training sessions as a result. And and now the sports science team and department medical team which they're completely revamping of course are they saying yeah he's close to the edge and ten hogs going for it anyway and he when hoyland got injured in training in midweek and a small muscle injury he said well the intensity we have to play at sorry a small muscle (laughs) injury (laughs) oh geez (laughs) hey how do you know it might be a big one right Um, i'm sure it is but compared to the rest of him true so he he said the intensity with which we have to play and he's kind of like he's alluding to what a lot of people have been saying about the training at united is very intense and that's part of part of what he wants he wants a a a very fit squad that can perform to the sort of levels of intense high pressing that he wants except we're not really seeing that a lot of the time are we no Uh, and i mean a lot of contradictions yeah the loads you would think that the performances we're seeing out of Bruno Fernandes are partly to do with how hard he's had to work in the last few years. I mean, I, just, I feel for him. I mean, I know a lot of United fans have enough of him. For me, I just see a guy who's given everything for the last three seasons and it might just be passing him by his career. Like he might, we might, he might, we might have seen the best of him, but also he might have seen the best of himself. For what? Maybe he's still creating. He's still the leading shot creator, shot shot creation creating actions. That's what it's called in the up to database. Still Obviously. the leader in the Premier League this season, right? So he's still creating a lot of chances or shots. Not always high quality with United. So like he's still creating something. But yeah, I I, I would agree Stop that scoring. his performance levels have. He's not scoring, and the performance levels overall are not of the highest caliber. But of course, that's set in the context of it being a crap team as well. I I, I don't really pay much attention to, I mean, although I am way too online and and on Twitter far too much, I don't pay attention to to like the general noise around that because there's a lot of idiots that are just like Bruno's crap, Rashford's crap, list 12 players they want to bin off as if that's how you play football or build a, a squad. You can just like bin off 20 players in a summer and bring in 20 new ones. So I don't know whether we should pay attention to that. But clearly, I mean, if a new manager comes in and if the style is of whatever format, which Sir Jim didn't say, but if it is not, if it is a possession dominant, style and they go for a possession dominant manager then there will be a question about Bruno because I don't know whether you can play Bruno in that possession dominant style and have him create all those chances you could play him or, at eight 
and go, hey, we've got an eight now, and Bruno, you're not that creative player anymore. Or, or you get two really physical players in central midfield, and then you can do it like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that would be my approach, probably. I don't think that Bruno necessarily can't have him in this kind of team. You just need to build around that. I think that if we're saying he's going to be a number eight, part of me is like, probably get someone better. But- yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's absolutely brilliant in a team that functions around him as a number but- 10. Of course, like during his time at United, he's so rarely had a team that functions around him. And he was so good for Ole in a team yeah. that was actually that really good transition team that Ten Hag's trying to make United now. With... Uh, Oli hasn't got a job and he's waiting well, there. He's your... he keeps... So Andy Mitten says he's he your vibes keeps guy. jobs down. So... He's your vibes guy. You get rid of Ten Hag because you're getting someone new. And then you and, bring Oli and, in. And give it Oli till the end of the season. Snaffle the, snaffle <laughs> the FA Cup. Yeah, and maybe. Oli well, gets his trophy. And then we get our new manager and everyone's happy. I, I don't know whether the logic stacks up or not, but the vibes do. And I, I, I wouldn't mind it just for the vibes and just see Ollie again. So I mean, of, of all the managers, United have binned off in the last, uh, since Fergie went in the last 11 years or whatever. He's the only one I was a bit sad about. And he, he kind of, he had to go because it was so disastrous at the time. And yeah, um, with that midfield. one at Watford. Yeah. But he, I mean, I guess there was also pandemic football but he got with a terrible midfield he had us scoring loads of goals and smashing crap teams and Ten Hag hasn't done that I don't know I mean it's mad really that on the day he scores United's only goal I still think yet less of Harry Maguire today than I did yesterday even though he scored United's only goal it's is really but I just it doesn't I mean Arteta nearly got fired where he w- yeah. went to the young players as a last resort after they'd lost. And their form was way worse than this. I yeah. guess the difference, again, I mean, might just be that you know, this is a better team than that team that he had, so it should be doing better. And what would it look like if you brought another manager in who, who with this squad? Would they be able to play out from the back? I mean, I think if you... Let, let's just say they want a possession-dominant style and look by the way if you look at the odds for the next United manager they're all over the place right in terms of style of manager so you can start naming names but that's what United have done for the last 10 years they've gone for the the big who's name the manager yeah who's the best at the time and but or who like, was the best so Jim, sa- Jim right. has said this he said this was wrong I mean he's clearly been briefed by his team because I'm not going to pretend a private equity guy who's built a chemicals companies like suddenly the world expert on on football but Clearly, his team has said they're, they're going between styles all of the time. We're going to pick a defined style. So is it high-pressing, intense, Nagelsmann? Is it high-possession dominance, Deserby? Like, what is it? But if you have the, the latter, possession dominance, this squad does not fit. We know... So here's the... But we don't... Think, so, we can't do the physical thing either. And so here's the problem is because you... I would like the kind of United football that... The Uncle Big Sir Jim wants to watch is not Guardiola football. I wouldn't have thought, no. and it's going to need some some physical presence. But when you talk about possession dominance, any for me anyway, I guess I'm kind of assuming Guardiola. But Klopp's Liverpool were also possession dominant. It's That's just in a different way. But we don't have the players for that either. And the problem is that we have so many players you want to get rid of, but to pick one side, one way of playing, or the other 
you might have to get rid of some of the good ones. And when you really have to get rid of all the shit ones, then it just feels, it feels like a massive, a massive task. And so I think that, and then I got that I was sitting over there. And then I've got, if you stuck Declan Rice in this team that was at full strength, you'd see quite a good team. I mean, it's quite, with everyone fit, it could be quite a good team without any additions. So then I think, well, yeah, if you go and stick, you go and buy the right number eight. It doesn't have to be Declan, whoever it is. You buy the right number eight and you buy a centre-back and a full-back, three players, whatever it is. And then it could be a really, really good team. But then yeah. back on the other side, I'm like, well, is it just a really good team because the players are good? Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing they've said, uh, was it Radcliffe who said it? But he said three years, seven windows, something like that. So they're clearly, they're clearly prepared to think about a, an amount well, of time. I didn't but, like that. Yeah, you, you look take, at it. You shouldn't take that you shouldn't, it, it probably shouldn't take that long with the, the quality of the squad we've already got. They just need to go, hey, this is a style. These are the players that fit. These are the players we like and the players that fit within that style. The others go. The, the other thing it, it seems to be they're doing, they're going to build the rebuild the, the transfer department and have more capacity there. I mean, they haven't fired Murtar yet, but I assume that's only a matter of time. It's nuts that, and not because, buying players because you don't have fucking capacity. What? I, 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 we I didn't have time. United we, did, we, we didn't have time yeah. to not use the money that we got from Fred on Amrabat. Like, that is one of the all... I, I don't want to see that guy, but what was the point? Why, why do we have him? If he's not going to use him now, why? Why is why do? What was the point of him, and why do we have him? I can't tell you. I don't know the answer to that one. Well, uh, we never see bizarre. him. I mean, I say we never see him. Probably see him now if I lean out my window. But it's just, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, that is a baffling, a baffling piece of activity, that. But I'm not like, I, I wanted Fred to go. I think he's, I thought Fred was shit. But we'd have got a lot more use out of Fred than Amrabat this season. That's for oh, sure. Oh, fuck yeah. And fuck we yeah. might have ended I mean, up not getting beat in a game like yesterday. Uh, I mean, you, you talked about Rice. And, and look, I don't know whether that deal could have ever been done, given that he seemed to want to stay in London. It should have been done. When it, Ole signed Maguire, when Ole signed Maguire, that money would have got two Declan Rices. And I said it yeah. at the time, we, it didn't have to be Declan Rice. It needed to be someone for that position. And it should yeah. have been. I, I don't even I don't love Declan Rice as a player. I love the mentality. I love the aggression, the power. Don't love the use of the ball. But if you yeah. had him, Manu and Bruno, you get if you had him, you get a lot more out of Manu and Bruno. And, oh, oh, for sure, uh, undoubt, undoubtedly. But you know, just to to round off my thought there, I mean, sixty million on Mason Mount, who we've never seen because he's he's not fit, and we don't know what style of football he fits into or what Ten Hag's plan was. It doesn't appear to have been any plan and that that would have gone a long way to to buying a player that would have fit better into this squad if it wasn't rice someone else right so uh so yeah that's, anyway so part of it is just look at it what a mess look at the squad and go well obviously look at it's the players look at it but you then look at what has achieved been achieved with these players and what it actually looks like and you think well nah man it's not just the players it's the manager as well and it feels, I, I said last week that I felt like they'd be able to get away without firing him if they didn't want to. But then once Shaw and Hoyland get injured like that, I, I don't see that it's going to be good enough. And even though like those two things are, let's assume the injury has nothing to do with him. Let's say that it's not his fault. It doesn't matter because the product is a whole over the course of the season. If you take the season to this point, the season ended now was this number of games, however many games he's played. Yeah. He would... He's gone. 
It, it's yeah, not now. Sure. It's not now the situation where he almost needs to keep his job. He needs to go out and earn it again. Because if the, if it doesn't change, he's gone. How many games did David Moyes lose before he got sacked? Because Ten Hag has now lost 15 games across all competition, 10 in the league. I When's the last United manager to lose 10 games and not I get guess fired? I mean, did Fergie difference. in his early days lose that many? Probably. So, 89, 90 and 1991, not good. I, I think I would say, although it was more, there were more games then, so more ways of losing. We we lost 12, 12 in the Moyes season. So comparing Ten Hag to Moyes is a little bit different because obviously Moyes has inherited the champions and Ten Hag has inherited Rangnick's Reds. Yeah. And there was no sense that Moyes had anything, whereas Ten Hag's already won a trophy and qualified for the Champions League with Rangnick's dickheads. So he's got he's got some credit in the bank. He's achieved, yeah, whereas... Moyes was just, it was so obvious this was the wrong guy. And it's not, it's not as obvious with, with Ten Hag. So I don't, I don't think it's quite the same. But yeah, if the season finishes now, he, he, he goes. Well, he has, he has the rest of this season to convince the board not to fire him. It's not, yes, it's and, not the and, other way around where if we collapse, he gets fired. He might get fired. It's, if, we're not, if we don't get good, he's gone. For, for sure, and, and he's going to be hampered by the injuries. I mean, it looks like the Hoyland one is short-term, but Molassi and Martinez may well not be seen again. Sure, and Martinez may not be seen again, and we don't know about Molassi. But just to, like as a, one indicator of how dysfunctional this club is, just look at the left-back spot. You've got Shaw, whose fitness cannot be relied on, upon. Molassi, who is not yet fit, but clearly they thought he would be. Reguilón, who they sent back to Spurs and is now at Brentford. Alvarez, who went to Girona and then on to Benfica. And Brandon Williams, who's at Ipswich all season, right? There's five left-backs and we currently had none. <laughs> uh, so, like, Wasn't Reguilón's terminated to Spurs? I, don't, I might be wrong about it. I just thought I read that they were like, they, they called him back rather than us sending him back. I don't why? To, to shift, ship him out to Brentford? I mean, because one yes. of the reasons why United didn't get Rilla is because Chelsea wouldn't do the mid-season break. I mean, at least that was the press reporting. I'm not. I'm not saying I know. This, no, no, I'm but... certain that United thought so... they were going to have Malassia and Shaw, so they could. They might have asked for the break, but yeah, I, I, I definitely read. I don't. I can't remember who was saying it, so I, I don't quote me. I, I'm not quoting someone, so don't quote me. That he went because they 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 recalled him and sent him to Brentford, which makes sense, and that he's going to play at Brentford because Rico Henry's injured, and they might get a sale out of it. Whereas if he goes to United and only plays when the, the others aren't around, when you think that those two players are going to be fit again, as Spurs probably did think that in January, then it does make it does make sense that they would say no. But yeah, no left backs. I mean, <laughs> and, and and then Ten Hag picking Lindelof because why? I I don't know. Let's move on <laughs> from this delightful stuff. Ten Hag has got another opportunity to save his job, I guess, and that's the FA Cup. United away at Forest in midweek. I don't like the FA Cup in midweek. I think it should be, always be played on the weekend. But there's, there's old man Ed talking there. I also have that energy, but I like this one. I think this is good because, I mean, I don't like it because the, the Cup quarterfinal was always the weekend of my birthday. And I've lost that now. 
And that was just, I always knew roughly what would be going, not what would be going on on my birthday, but yeah, like United playing in the cup quarterfinal on my birthday, or not playing also, but I like it because I like, like a midweek cup game with a cup allocation is good. And I know what you mean about Saturdays, but it felt, it does feel like much as we like, particularly those of us who grew up with the FA Cup, want it to retain its magic. It has gone a little bit stale. And I felt like definitely, I can't remember what happened last year, but the first year of that, we really got some really good games. One, all of them on television, played at night. And I think that's sort of necessary now. If you're playing the last day of a cup competition, really, that you want every game to be on television because that's the only way you're going to get people interested in it is if you can engage their eyeballs. And if you're putting those games yeah. on terrestrial television on weeknights, that feels like a way of trying to get people to watch. And also as a supporter, for, like I definitely would, yeah, like a night, a night game, definitely better than like, Saturday, 12 o'clock or whatever. Unfortunately, of course, they're moving the FA Cup to TNT Sports from next season. And so it's going to be on a channel with about 200,000 people watching it. And maybe they get a few extra pounds out of it, but like, yeah. It's the cut even, even the final. So I, I'm not even... really, no, no. The final has to be free to air. It's funny, it? because actually. It's one of the, the golden circle of sporting events that have to be on free to air. Because the FA Cup is one of those events that's sort of been killed by the Premier League, one of those sporting events that's sort of been killed by the Premier League. But in some ways, it felt like the FA Cup actually beget, beget the Premier League because, I don't know if you remember, in that Sunday in 1990, where they decided, like, for years and years, you've got the FA Cup semi-finals and no one can see it because uh, yeah. you're only getting highlights on match of the day. And then then they decide on, in 1990, they're going to they're gonna show both games on some television. They're going to put the move them both to the Sunday. And obviously the games are just two of the greatest semi-finals, two of the greatest football matches we've ever seen in this country. Palace beat Liverpool 4-3 and Oldham United drew 3 all, And yeah, that yeah. sort of felt like, it feels to me that there's a watershed moment where they're like, this is the best television program that there is. And mm-hmm. doesn't require creativity or anything. It just, like, no one needs to sit down and come up with it. It's like a, yeah, it's reality TV that just writes itself. Yeah, and and I think it's that's one of the things that's so disappointing about putting it on the minority channel, like like the short termism of whatever and whatever money the FA are getting for this, it's a it's a drop in the ocean. I mean, they could have done a deal with free to air that wouldn't have not have been that much different financially and would have exposed it to everyone. Yeah, it makes much more sense that argument in cricket, where people football like it's people 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 know about it and and, and, it, and it's there, but. Yeah, like I mean, with with cricket, they did it after the two thousand and five Ashes, but the money that Sky put in has done loads of cricket, is, and we'd be stupid to it, pretend that there hasn't. And where would cricket be without Sky's money? Genuinely, don't know. Much as I want everything available on free to air for everyone, don't know. Football, there's so much money sloshing about in the game, and that's even before we say, "Well, hang on, why did TNT even have this money? What's even going on here?" And what's actually going on is BT decided to spend money that they had from a historical a, a, a historical monopoly of telecoms. They decided mm-hmm. to use reserve funds that they had to buy football to sell broadband. And then that didn't work out. They binned off their, their media unit. And yeah. in most, in almost every industry in the world, competition is good. But when it comes to televised sport, it is bad. Because the more there so are, it's not diversity, yeah. because they don't all have the same thing. They all have different things. So if you want to watch it yeah. in a legal manner, 
in the comfort of your own home. You go have them all. Yeah, yeah. And and the European Commission also did this, of course, because they broke up the the Premier League TV rights, which made it even far, harder for fans to access it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, cricket. That the money has been good because the the county game doesn't drive enough money in at all, and and so they needed extra income. It has made it a minority sport, which is a shame because Test cricket is like almost the highest form of civilization. Like, there's nothing. There's almost nothing better. Than Test cricket, save for United beating the Scousers, and we're, we're although England are probably going to lose this next Test, we are we have seen an incredible series out in India in terms of the quality and the drama. We saw that with Test cricket in the summer. Anyway, I don't want to go on about cricket too often because people don't tune in for that. But yeah, it's a real shame that the Cup will only be viewed by a minority of people from next season. We're playing Forest. Mixed back from Forest recently, they got hammered by Villa. Will they even be focused on this because their priority really should be not getting relegated, given that they might be getting a 10-point penalty? In a season a, a where deduction. it's never been as easy to avoid relegation, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems know, so shit and Everton have been dot points. But, I mean, we should beat Forrest. I think that we do need to do something with the team. Like, you can't have Lindsay off the left back like that again. And I think, yeah, and you need Rashford on the left. Go on that show on the right and go from there, whether it's McTominay, Ahmad, whoever you do it, almost don't really care who it is. Just get the players that have been making this good stuff happen in the, in the right place. I'd also get rid of Maguire and say Evans, I've had enough of Maguire. Just even there was that bit yesterday where he does like, he gets down, goes down the left wing. <laughs> it's just like, wait, oh God, then. But yeah, we should beat Forrest, but we should beat, most of the teams in the league, and whether we do or whether I mean, we, we don't... just lost the forest not long ago, so I mean, we should. Be that was forest, that was but, dreadful. Yeah. That that was dreadful. That forest performance. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, we, we'll see. So if if Lindelof is in the team at left back again, it, it'll be like almost a cry for help. I mean, like when Mourinho put McTominay in a back three at West Ham, you're like, you just <laughs> want to get fired, don't you? Like you look at that and go, you yeah, right. You're looking for the payoff. If he does it, if he does it, he deserves the sack. Honestly, I mean, I also think someone should be saying to Ten Hag, "Listen, like this is where we are. This is how it's good. You, you will get fired if it's crap at the end of the season. So, do what you want to do, and if it looks like the right thing, we'll back you." Well, he keeps saying Ten Hag. He keeps insisting that he's had a lot of conversations with the new team, and they're all on the same page. I mean, I guess Uncle Big Sir Jim though did say. That he wanted. What did he say? I remember what he said. He said a lot um, of stuff. But yeah. but they've been I totally ruthless. I mean, I remember what he said about Mason Greenwood. That I remember. That was not yeah. acceptable. What? Uh, no. Although reading between the lines, I'm not going to defend him because I, I it might have been think he should have said. Yeah, it, like reading between the lines, I think what he basically said is, look, we are not being beholden to a decision that's been made by the guy we just binned off, right? Because they fired Arnold with a microsecond of agreeing that the deal had been done. I mean, it took a while, a while to dot the I's and cross the T's. So I, I think they're saying that. We're going to look at it again. Of course, the only acceptable decision is for them to sell Greenwood. 
right? It, it's not like there is an acceptable way of getting him back into the team and they will discover this. But <laughs> I, I, given the benefit of the doubt, and I think they're saying they want to make their own decision and not be beholden to what... Yeah, yeah, I just... It didn't... It, the formulation of words... The formulation of words... Yeah, it was wasn't not, good. It's not good. It wasn't good at all. It, 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 yeah, it didn't... It made out... And maybe he's just trying to preserve value in some way. I mean... But, yeah, well, true, of course, because if you say you're getting rid of a toxic asset, the, the value is going to be even lower than it, it's going to be already. Everyone knows that. It's be, just whether, we're able, yeah. whether there's an auction. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's not even doing that. He's doing okay at Hetafe. They're playing him out on the wing. It's probably not this best position, even though they had an injury up front. It's not a great team. They got smashed by Barcelona yesterday. Like, I, I don't... Like, it was the only environment, it seems, in which to get him into. And they had to make a lot of incentives for Hetafe to take him at all. So it's not the best shop window. So I, don't, I like nothing says to me that they're going to get huge money for him. But yes, he, he should have been much clearer on what that was. I, Dan Rohn didn't push him. And I, I re- really wish he had done because it would have been quite easy. By the way, did you see the video and did you listen to the audio? How do you feel about that? Because he might have had a very different reaction then. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, anyway, back to Forest. Yeah, of course we should been you should beat this lot. Of course we should. But I got to the point where I have no idea what Ten Hag is going to do with this team. Like, what is he going to rotate? We probably haven't got Casemiro because of the head injury. So it'll be Maynou, who's played a lot of games for a young player. Like, I don't want to tempt fate, but. He's got to be close to the. He's got to be close to the limit, physical limit. I mean, but, what one game a week? I know, but still, he's gone from not injured to back in the team and playing every single week. It's just uh, although what, on the subject, also one of the things that I don't like about Ten Hag, and this is a Ten Hag issue as well, is why why I feel like they should be making sure that Manu gets on the ball more than he does, and that feels like it's to do with routines and rotations as much as his anticipation. But or automatism, automatisms, yeah, automatisms. There you go. There you go. Yes, yes. But we don't see that, and that, yeah, another issue to just a deep. There's a long list of reasons why Ten Hag shouldn't be the United manager, and the the one that says he should be is that well, he had a good record in the past. So no, 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 that's no. good, and Ridic- he did some good stuff. Ridiculous right. injuries. It was mass. It's massively shit, and repairing that takes time. And we shouldn't expect it to just be totally up with gradient all the way. Agree with all of that. But it shouldn't have been as shit as it has. And it shouldn't, two years in, look like it looked yesterday. So what does he look like against Forrest? Is he going to rotate? He's going to have to bring another midfielder in. So Scott McTominay is going to start, I imagine. Does, does, Does your wish for Harry to get binned off? I don't think he'll be Maguire. I do think he'll change the left back. Uh, as he sh- as he should, but then then the question is who like so Johnny Evans comes in for Maguire. I don't know. Maguire starts. Maguire starts with Evans. Varane gets a rest. Dallo goes to left back. Who plays at right back? No idea. Quambala could Qu- do it. Quambala probably. Yeah. It'll be yeah. Quambala. Yeah. Uh, McTominay comes into midfield. Will he do something interesting with the forwards? I mean, Hoyland won't be back, so he'll probably play Rashford down the middle again, even though it doesn't work for him, or or Garnacho. Forson didn't do anything, so he probably won't start. So Anthony starts. Yeah. And 
Rashford down the middle and Garnacho on the left. Yeah, that looks like something like that is probably the team. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Forrest will be up for it. Because, I mean, the man, I did, maybe the manager will pick will rest players. That would be helpful because ultimately they have spent a shitload of money to go down and they can't really have that. But it's like all the games we keep saying is if, if United play reasonably, they'll win. And if they don't, then they probably won't. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I. If it doesn't look good, it will, it will look dreadful. If they win, it still probably won't look good. And yeah. we shouldn't Mark say Robbins for the win. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll leave. Yeah, it the there. problem. The problem he has also is that you mentioned Mark Robbins is he's not going to get to play Crystal Palace in the final probably or Oldham in the semi final. The teams left in the cup. Most of the good teams are left. I'm hoping Liverpool play an extra time right now. Are tired in midweek, but most the, Chelsea is starting to get good. No, they they're out. City knocked them out, didn't they? But most of the teams, most of the teams in the left are quite good, I think. Yeah. So you're not. Spurs are out. So, but City Arsenal is still in there. Arsenal are still Arsenal are out. Right. So we got yeah. Liverpool. Hopefully, Liverpool get knocked out midweek. I forget who they're playing now. Chelsea leads. City obviously didn't beat them. They beat them in the other cup. Blackburn, Newcastle, Chelsea leads. Forest, United, Luton, Man City, Radiante, each special there. Bournemouth, Leicester, and Coventry, Maidstone. So I think what we've got here. Is yeah, because what you've you've got the better teams, United, Chelsea, City, Newcastle, are all drawn against teams they should beat. But I mean, United could obviously lose to Bournemouth or Leicester also, but it feels like the quarterfinals will be quite strong because it will be Chelsea, Newcastle, City, and then yeah, then the win, then there's own so you could you could end up getting someone quite good then. And that so wait there, are Liverpool out of the FA Cup? I forget. I like this how much attention I've been paying, apparently. Oh, Liverpool out well, of the FA Cup. No, they're home to Southampton and Wolves are home to Brighton. They only read out six matches. There we go. Um, there so we yeah, go. There's, there's enough in the cup so that you get into trouble if you don't if you if you win this one, you can still quite easily come unstuck. It's not unlikely to be a Mark Robbins moment. And I feel that the way I feel now, even winning the cup wouldn't be necessarily enough. If we if we don't qualify for the Champions League and we spend March and April playing really good, enterprising football, and play the same way in every game, and it looks good. Then, even if we don't win the cup, I would think about retaining Tenach. But if we see the football that we've seen, sometimes good, sometimes not, no apparent method that we stick to, and we win the cup, I still wouldn't keep Tenach. And he's out of contract in 2025. So the keeping Ten Hag is really about giving me a new contract. Otherwise, you've got a, a lame duck for next season, uh, and that's not really acceptable. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us ramble on about that nonsense. Uh, United, come on, give us something against Forest. Uh, thanks a lot. Bye now. Please.